much. Lord, what would we do without it? Without you, Lord, we don't want to go anywhere. So we ask you to come and just speak to us through your word. Lord, we know that when we preach your word that you are present. You said where two or three are gathered, you would be there. And we know we meet those qualifications tonight. We ask you to come and just meet every need, every hand that was raised, Lord, every, every situation of sickness or financial trouble or domestic trouble, whatever it might be, God. I know that you're a, a God that hears prayer and answers prayer. We thank you for your presence. We believe that you're here with us. And where you are, you can do miraculous things. So I pray that miracles would be manifested in our lives tonight as we hear your word, as we believe it, Lord, and as we walk in it. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You could be seated this evening. As we said a couple of weeks ago, how does Benjamin become a wolf, a ravening wolf, being one of Jacob's sons? And we want to look at that. And how do some of his family end up breaking the cycle of their birth path and, and what they were born under and going on uh, over and over again? Now, how do they do that? Now, uh, we learned last time about Jacob's family dynamics and, and what a mess that it was. And I want to talk a little bit more about that tonight and also about the circumstances of Benjamin's birth. And in Genesis 35, if you've got your Bibles tonight, you want to turn to Genesis chapter 35, Genesis 35 and 1. It says, God said unto Jacob, and when God says something, we ought to listen. Don't you think so? When God speaks, we ought to listen. God said to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel. Arise, go up to Bethel. Bethel is the place where Jacob met God and God met Jacob. This was a place where he would be in the presence of Almighty God. He says, Go up to Bethel and dwell there. In other words, live there, stay there. And he says, And make there an altar unto God. That appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Well, they were having a little bit of a revival, weren't they? He said, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel. Oh, I, I think it's good when a man of God stands up, a, a, a husband in the home, a, a pastor in a church, a, a real man will stand up and say, Let's go to Bethel. Let's go be in the presence of God. Let's go to church tonight. Let, let's be in the house of God. And he said, and I'll make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. What a wonderful place to live in, in Bethel, the house of God. And, and Jacob was told, not just in any uncertain terms, but God said, Jacob, I want you to live there. I want you to maintain your residence in that place. And we could say it this way, although I know that you can be in God's presence and in different places, but, but yet we could bring it down to this, that he told Jacob, he said, go to church. Go to church when the doors are open. I think we've been told that in our day and hour. Go to church. Go to Bethel. And make an altar there. Make a place where you can worship God. And, and we look at that and we think and we see... Brother Joe, you look at people and you begin to look at people's lives. And as a pastor, if you don't care about people's lives, then, then you're not a pastor. If you don't care about people's lives, you're not much of a minister. If you don't care about people's lives, you're not much of a Christian. But, but you have to care about what happens in people's lives. As you watch people's lives, you watch as people fall away from Bethel. They fall away from the presence of God, from the house of God. And I'm not speaking to a specific situation tonight because you all attend church. You're faithful to the house of God or you wouldn't be here on a Wednesday night. But I'm just speaking in general terms that we can find that there's, a, uh, th there's a something that we can take notice of here that when we fall away from where the presence of God is and from gathering where God told us to gather, there will be tragedy in our lives that would have been avoided had we continued in the presence of God. Oh, what tragedy could be avoided if we would just stay in the house of God. Right. We would just stay in the place where God called us to be. Right. But so many people leave Bethel. Genesis 35, 16, and you can go and read the whole chapter when you have time, how that, 
how that God met him there. And oh, how many times have we been met by God here in the house of God or in your prayer closet, wherever that it is that you meet God. You, you, you met God and you know that God was there. But for some reason, Jacob journeyed from Bethel. He journeyed from Bethel. And so we find here, way before this manifestation of wildness in the life of his son Benjamin, here you find, and, and before his family got completely broken up by the different events of, of the book of Genesis, you find that Jacob was a backslider and he journeyed away from the place where God told him to go. And I've often wondered why, because the Bible doesn't tell us why Jacob left Bethel. It doesn't say, maybe he just fell out of love with it. It just become common to him. It just become another Wednesday service, another Sunday sermon, another time that a minister would get up and speak. It was just another day. I tell you, tonight, church, it's a dangerous thing when the house of God becomes common to us. It's a dangerous thing when we begin to mail it in on Wednesday night. Right? It's a dangerous thing when we begin to mail it in in our prayer time. When we begin to just treat it as, a, as something that just we have to do, something that, that, that comes on our daily schedule. But there's got to be a love there for it. There's got to be something that keeps us there or we'll flee at the first opportunity, the first sign of trouble, the first wolf that comes along the path. We'll say, well, you know, it must not have been meant for us to be there. But God called you to his presence. He called you to worship him. He called you. And we should put everything that we have into that. And I wonder if Jacob just didn't get tired of the same old routine. So he said, it's time to move on from Bethel. And that's where his trouble began to start. When he moved on from the house of God. Do what God tells you to do. And we could say about this more than church. You know, when we just don't do the simple things that God told us to do. We get in trouble. Right. right. Now look, now they journeyed, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath, that's Bethlehem. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. She called his name Benoni. Benoni, Ben is his son. And Oni means sorrow. Son of my sorrow. And his father renamed him because he recognized the, the thing that this would put on Benjamin's life. To be called son of my sorrow. And so he calls him Benjamin, which is son of my right hand. Or we would say today, my favorite son. And, you know, you talk about somebody having kids in their old age. <laughs> Benjamin was born when Jacob was probably about 100 years old. If you go and look at the numbers. He was an old man. He was much more like a grandfather than a father to Benjamin. And, so, and he called him son of my right hand. He's my favorite son. And so again, we see that favoritism coming down in the family. And it caused great uh, uh, sorrow in the family because of the difference that Jacob put in Rachel's children and, and in Leah's children. And then he had concubines as well. What a mess. What a mixed up birth path. I'm so glad that we have the word today. that keeps us out of those things. Aren't you glad you had a prophet that taught you polygamy was for the Old Testament, not for the New Right? It was allowed by God. It wasn't God's perfect way. Aren't you glad that you had a prophet that, that, that taught you about the things of God? Aren't you glad for the Bible that teaches you what you should do and how we should conduct our families? And, you know, and we should stray from that. Very, very, we should take that seriously when we stray away from those things. Those principles that are set are there for a reason. A man's a man for a reason. A woman's a woman and made the way she is for a reason. We have one wife for a reason. One husband for a reason. Are you with me tonight? There's a reason for these things. It's not just because, although it is true, that it fits God's image in heaven and it's a type. And it's not just because of that, but it's also because of the trouble that it'll cause when you begin to stray from it. 
and it'll cause trouble in our families. Aren't you glad no matter what happened in the past, no matter what the family history was, no matter what grandpa did or grandma did or somebody else did, here comes an apostle Paul way on down the line that broke a, amen, broke the cycle of this thing that was going on in Benjamin's family, broke the cycle and actually completely turned it around. Aren't you glad that, that there's still that ability to do that today by the new birth? Right. Yes. By, an, by an absolute experience with God, and that's what it takes. So his mother named him son of my sorrow, and his father named him the favorite son. What a mess. But aren't you glad we're not bound by our birth path? You ever thought about that? And we, we do a lot of thinking, and I'll get into it in a moment, but do a lot of thinking about our birth path and the message because Brother Random explained that that's what made him different. He was born to be a prophet. He was born under a certain sign. Right? In a certain season, born to do what he did. Right? And, and that's what made him different. But we're not bound to our birth path. So maybe you were born under a sign of, of poverty. Maybe you were born under, under a sign of... And that's why we don't need to get too caught up in astrology and, and especially... These stupid things they put in the newspaper, you know, about what your sign's going to be and, and what the meaning of it is. And the truth is they don't really know. They're making that up. That's why most of the Chinese, uh, you know, when you go to the Chinese place and you break open the fortune cookie, it's mostly positive. Right? Or trying to get you to eat more Chinese food. You know, they don't ever tell you, well, you're going to have a wreck tomorrow or, you know, you're going to have some kind of a... It's not normally like that anyway. That'd be interesting if it was, but... But it's not normally like that, although I've known people who listen to that more than they would a preacher. <laughs> but, but those things, we don't pay much attention to those things because it's the new birth that changes our birth path. And yet we're still influenced by that on the outside. You understand where there were, a, where a, a body, soul, and spirit, and the spirit and the body are still influenced by that birth path. But it's that controlling tower on the inside that changes that into what God wants us to be. So now Brother Branham deals with that. He said, why did Aaron have on his breastplate the birthstone of each one of those patriarchs? He said, look at those mothers when they give the utterance, when them mothers and them Hebrew women in labor give an utterance to those children being born. It placed their name. Notice what it did. It placed their name. It told their birth. It put them in the homeland. It set them over to eternity. So the birth path was a powerful thing. Yes, sir. Right? It was a powerful thing. Remember, this is the Old Testament. But it placed their name. It told their birth. It put them in the homeland. And it set them over to eternity. Four things. But now, if you look at it, then Rachel's name for Benjamin, Benoni, was accurate. Think about it. And when Jacob speaks under inspiration, he speaks... Benjamin will raven as a wolf. He was born with trouble in his life. He lost his mother at birth. Given maybe they had to be raised by a stepmother or raised by servants in the house. It was all kinds of trouble. You know, many times kids that grow up in the homes of preachers, they begin to they get where they almost hate Christians. They don't necessarily hate God, but they see a lot of trouble. Benjamin grew up as the youngest son in a preacher's home, and he saw that when Jacob was on fire, and he saw when he backslid. He saw when Jacob was doing good, when Jacob was doing bad, and it made him, it must have, must have created something in his life. And it passed on to his children and grandchildren, and on down to Saul, and on down, down through history. It created a, 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 fer, a ferocity. It created a, a spirit that they, uh, uh, that they, you know, there's certain things that it would set in order. Aren't you glad the opposite is true? When, when our children see our faithfulness, when they see our love, when they see us manifesting the life of Christ, don't you realize that also sets them on a certain path? Yes. Yes. Amen. So Rachel's cry at birth was accurate. Benoni. No, but Brother Brown said, watch Jacob when he was dying there, when he laid his hands upon the patriarchs and blessed them, he'd tell them exactly where they would be. And that's exactly according to their name and exactly according to their birth. And sure, it has something to do with you. But remember, even Jacob was a great example of a person's path changing because he was born Jacob, a shyster, a supplanter. Yes. But his name was changed to Israel, a prince with God. 
Hallelujah. And so the birth path he was under, God used that. Are you with me now? Look at the grace of God. God actually used the way Jacob was to cause him to get the, uh, amen, to, to get the, uh, the things that he needed from Esau, the birthright and the blessing, in a way that wasn't right. But he used that birth path that he had to get that and then changed him. Are you with me now? Change him to Israel. Don't you realize God can do the same thing today? Many times God will use that in your life. Maybe you'd say, well, I don't understand why I came to the Lord at a, at a late age instead of a, when I was younger. I don't understand why I had so much trouble down through it. God's going to use that trouble. God's going to use the way you are. God's going to use that, and, and he'll use that to draw you to himself. Even if the only thing that he uses it for is just to show you that you needed him. That you weren't able to make it without him. Aren't you glad that you know that you would never make it without Jesus? That's, you know, that's why I go to church. I, I don't know. I don't want to try to make it by myself. I don't want to try to sail through life's stormy seas without the support of God's people, without, without there being something in my heart. I want to be in the house of God. There's something in the heart of the believer that wants to be where God's people are. Are you with me now? And that's, regardless of what your birth path is, I don't want to leave it up to my birth path. I want God to change me. Use that to make me what he wants me to be. Now, he said, that's your birth path. He said, that's what you are, a natural man or a natural woman. But when you're reborn again, that's not the outside conscience. Hallelujah. He said, the outside is what you see, taste, feel, smell, and hear. But the inside of that is what you really are. Now, this out here, Satan just tempts you. Oh, somebody can say amen right now. And knocks you around every way here. Isn't that right? I'm the only one who gets tempted, I guess. A prophet of God speaking and saying, this one out here, this outside man. Satan just tempts you and knocks you around every way here. But down here. He can't do it unless you let him do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, for in here, you've got faith. And faith don't come from the outer conscience. It reasons. But in faith, there's no reason. Aren't you glad for faith tonight? He said, there's, in faith, there's no reason. You got it from God. Where did your faith come from? It didn't come from a preacher. It didn't come from a church. It didn't come from God. If you have the faith to believe today in the message of the hour, it didn't come from some preacher. It came from God. That's why you didn't fall. Amen. Oh, church, you, you, you didn't have to give up your faith if a preacher passed away or something happened. You, you didn't give up your faith. Why? Because your faith didn't come from the preacher. When your mother may have passed on, but your faith didn't come from your mother. It may have been handed down to you in written form. She could give you this, but she couldn't give you the faith of God. God had to do that. Are you with me now? Faith don't come from the outer conscience, but in faith there's no reason. You got it from God, and you know it's there. He said, I don't care how much it looks wrong, you still know it's right. Oh, my. Can you say that today? It's thus saith the Lord, and there's nothing going to bother that. Nothing can bother that. It's moving right straight on. He said, difficulty means nothing to it. It wades right on through it. Oh, do we have a bunch of people like that here today? There's got to be somebody that's willing to fight. There's got to be somebody that's got something on the inside of faith that come from God. It says, regardless of circumstances. I read a quote tonight where Brother Branham said, regardless of, of the circumstance, it's a joy to be in the house of God. There's got to be something there, a faith that's on the inside that cries out, regardless of circumstance, I know what thus saith the Lord is. Regardless of what's going on in my life, I can hear thus saith the Lord, and I know that it's true. It's yea and amen. The promises of God are still true even in difficulty. He wades right on through it for it's the word. And the word's the sword. He said, and the sword cuts itself free from everything else. He said, you see it, it takes a hand of faith to hold that word. Amen. So your peculiar birth, if you could say it that way. Brother Random had a peculiar birth. And he was told that that peculiar birth and childhood and upbringing was for a reason. So was yours. God allowed it. 
God allowed it, but it doesn't mean that's how you should stay. Are you with me now? Your, your peculiar birth is for a reason, but it doesn't mean that's how you should stay. You know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Right? If halfway religion resulted in a dead church, then why would I be halfway about it? If, if lukewarmness brought about Laodicea that we see out here in the churches, why would I be lukewarm? Why would I ever, Brother Allen, want to be lukewarm about, about what I believe if lukewarmness brought about Laodicea? If I had that choice to be, and I believe as a son of God, he's given me the power to become a child of God, a son of God. I believe he's given you that power today. Then why would I ever be lukewarm? If, and you can look at it in a family way. If, if my grandpa failed in a certain way and my dad failed in a certain way, if my mother did a certain thing and my grandmother did a certain thing, why would I repeat that? And you say, well, I won't do that, but you do everything that led to that. And again, I'm not speaking to a specific situation, but just think generally here. I know it's difficult when on a Wednesday night when there's just a faithful few there and you think, well, Brother Ben's preaching at me. It's not it at all. It's, it's, a, it's a basic tenet uh, of the scriptures. If you look at the scriptures, you, you don't just do things because somebody else did them. You don't just continue on in the cycle, but there's got to be somebody who steps up like Eliezer did. You remember Eliezer, when his family, when, when Aaron was one who always give in to the crowd, but Eliezer, the son of Aaron, when he saw sin in the camp, he grabbed hold of a javelin and he ran in and he, he pinned it to the ground. Yeah. He got desperate about it. Yeah. He got desperate about taking the sin out of the camp. You and I have to do that in our own lives. Yeah. Many times we have to do that in our own family. Listen, I'm preaching to myself too because I don't have the best family history. Many times we've got to run in and be willing to smite that thing yeah. and come completely against it. Well, my daddy got mad. He had a temper. My mama got mad. She had a temper. Uh, they, they, they handled their money this way. They did this, this way. That don't mean it has to be you. You've been born again. you got something new. Are you with me now? Just because they didn't overcome or they only overcome to a certain level, you go on. You press on. They may have overcome all that they knew to overcome. They may have went as far as they could go, but you're called to a better place. Paul said we're persuaded better things of you. Oh, are you with me tonight? You were like that. Such were some of you. He said, but you're washed. You've been, you've been sanctified. You've been cleansed by the blood. And so now you, you don't have to be remain in your birth path, but you can use that as a stepping stone to be what God wants you to be. And there's many testimonies of that. Some of the greatest preachers of this message were alcoholics, drug addicts. I've come from bad family histories. I've often thought about that, Brother David. Why? I look back and why did I have to... I love my family. I don't want them to take this wrong. Why did I have to be born a Pruitt? If I was going to be a Pruitt, why not the other Pruitts? Why not the other branch of the family? <laughs> I wish my dad was a great man in this message, but he wasn't. My dad didn't handle things correctly. My dad didn't handle a church correctly. He didn't, he didn't take care of his family in the way that he should have. I don't mean I have to do that. Hope you're hearing me now. But, but it's not just something to just, well, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. No, I spent years. I've spent years. I don't mean to make this personal tonight, but it, it is in a way, I guess, because, because I've had to break that cycle in my generation, in my generation to help my children to be better than what we, we were raised so that they could have a better chance to not have the scars. And yet God will use that in my life. You understand? God will use that brokenness. He'll use the things that I've been through. He'll use the parts of my life that I wish I'd never have had to experience. He'll use that. But I want better for my children. I want better for my family. And if you go back to many of these men we think of as, as great men in the message, you look at them, and not to put one above another, but men that have had good, solid ministries down through time, you look at them, and many times their own family histories were not good. But they said, I broke that cycle. Uh, in my own life and in the life of my family, I broke that cycle. I'm not going to repeat that again with my family. 
Give their children a better chance. And I'll say on the reverse side of that that you children that have been given a better chance. I, I told my kids the other day, you just excuse me, I'm just preaching tonight. I don't know where I'm at. But I told, I told my daughter the other day, we went to Walmart. Me and Esther went to Walmart the other day. And, and we saw a family that was in there and, and generations of them in the, in the aisle, in the, in the sporting goods aisle at Walmart. And, and we were in there to get a basketball. And, and they were in there as well to get a basketball goal. And they were in there. When I walked in the aisle, the man grabbed hold of his kid and shook him and pushed him off to the side. And, and, and it looked like they hadn't had a bath in a long time. And cussing out their kids and things like that. And, and, and we walked out of there and I told, I told uh, Esther, I said, you better be happy that you weren't born in most of the families. Huh. I, don't mean to mean that, I don't mean to say that we're better because my family was just like that. I got aunts and uncles and cousins and all kinds. Some of them listen to these services, but their lives have been just like that. Just like that. But something happened in my generation. To give my children a better chance. To give them a dad who didn't rule, wasn't ruled by his temper. Are you with me now? To give them a mom who wasn't, wasn't ruled by, by, by whatever man she'd run after. To give them somebody, somebody different. <laughs> I thank God for... And you say, well, you know, my family just never because they're one partner or the other doesn't work right, doesn't do it correctly. But I've seen, listen, you look at the family of Timothy. Paul says, look at, he said, Timothy, what you have was put in you by your mother and your grandmother. No mention of his father because his father wasn't a believer. The Bible says his father was a Greek, which was an unbeliever. One who wasn't a proselyte to the Jewish faith. He was an unbeliever, but his mother believed. She broke the cycle. And Paul says the, the believing wife sanctifies the unbelieving husband. That's a, what a powerful thing. What a powerful thing. Hallelujah. Now look, as long as he's willing to, to remain in that and under that. Look, Israel, Brother Branham said, in a type or figure we take Israel because it's the Jubilee time. You all forgive me. I, I got way off the beaten path there. Aren't you glad to be, aren't you glad to be where you're at? Can we not thank God for where we're at? But you don't understand, Brother Ben, I've been through a lot lately. Can't you thank God for where you're at? You're expecting to go in a rapture. Not everybody is. You're expecting to, to walk on streets of gold. Not everybody is. You have a family that loves you. Most of you do have family. You may have some broken pieces here and there, but you're mostly whole. You've been put together by the tender hand of God. And you look at your own life and you begin to think, I thank God for where I'm at today. I thank God for where my family is today because I know what I could have been without the grace of God. <laughs> Paul says there, but for the grace of God, go I, because he knew he was a Benjamite. <laughs> we'll get into that one of these nights. Uh, look, Brother Branham said, we take Israel because it's the Jubilee time and the church was given a portion which was Christ himself that was poured out by the Holy Spirit into each heart that would receive it and become sons of God. He said, now Israel was a servant to God, and they was given a possession, and this possession was not to be given to anyone else. Now watch, he's saying our possession is the Holy Spirit, our portion of the Holy Spirit. He said this possession was not to be given to anyone else. It was to be to Israel only. Palestine belonged to them. He said, if we had the time or time would permit us, we'd go back and take the birth of these patriarchs when they were born by those women. Each one, when the baby was being born and the mother in labor, uttered the voice of this patriarch, positionally placed him in his place in Palestine hundreds of years later. He said, how we can put our confidence in this written word of God because it's so inspired that every phase of it hangs together. And it's drawing a picture for us of what God was. You want to know what God was? Read the Bible. Yeah. Huh? You want to know what God is? Read the Bible. He said, and always will be. Yes. You want to know what God will be? Read the Bible. He said, now we find that when Joshua divided the inheritance to the people, each person was placed positionally exactly the way these Hebrew mothers named those children, how they were placed in Palestine just at their place. Asher, Gad, Naphtali, each one, Judah, everyone just placed in their position. What a wonderful picture it gets us. Now, I want you to listen close here as a local church. He said, that what a wonderful picture it gets us because it's a type of God placing in the church himself every member. Now, don't you want a God-placed pastor? Right? You don't want just any pastor. You want a God-placed pastor. Right? Don't you want God-placed deacons? Right? God-placed trustees? 
But Brother Bible said every member of the church. Yes. Hallelujah. It's a type of God placing in the church himself every member, every stone, every place, every Christian to itself. Each one of us in our peculiar way has a place in the house of God. That's why it's so important to be in the house of God. Because we have in our own peculiar way, we have a place in the house of God. He said like Solomon's temple when it was cut out all over the world. He said, but it was brought by Joppa, floated in, taken from there by ox cart and all these odd rocks. We've got some odd rocks here this morning, don't we? This evening. All these odd rocks, I'll be one of them, I'll claim it. Say name it and claim it, I'll be an odd rock. Because these odd rocks had their place when the temple went together. He said, and I think that God down through this time has cut out some very odd stones that we might not have understood. Amen. Well, we could stop there for a while. He said, but they have their place exactly in the temple in the building of God. So even Benjamin had his place. Are you with me now? He had his place, but that cycle had to be broken for the place to come where it was supposed to be. God needed a warrior. <laughs> he needed an Ehud that would go in there with a left-handed dagger and take out the king. He needed somebody that would be a warrior. He needed Saul to be a warrior, and then, but then Saul failed because he didn't break that cycle completely. But here comes Paul the apostle, whose name was changed from Saul to Paul, and he comes out as a warrior for Christ. Who was a warrior against God. God needed that. Yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so he brought you up under your peculiar birth because he needed you. You had a place in the temple. And he cut you then exactly the way he wants you to be. Yes. God has cut out some very odd stones that we might not have understood. But they have their place exactly in the temple in the building of God. And Joshua by inspiration. Listen, not by just mathematics. This is very important. Not by just mathematics. What's he saying? Not by just looking and saying, well, Brother Gabe looks like the part of this. And he would make, let's say, a good evangelist. We'll make Brother Gabe an evangelist and send him out here. Make him an evangelist. Give him a fellowship card and send him out to all the places. Say, Brother Gabe is an evangelist. That's not how we do it. We don't do it because a man looks the part. Brother Branham told us that Josh, or Jesus rather didn't look like a leader. We don't do it by mathematics. This man could do this well because he's this. And yet those gifts in his life, again, can be used. It helps to be able to pronounce things. But Joel, not get things too mixed up when you're preaching. Right? I mean, it, it, it helps when we're able to do that. But yet, that's not all of it. Because God called a prophet in this age who couldn't pronounce things very well. And got Moses mixed up with Enoch and all kinds of things. But we knew what he was talking about, right? Am I boring you tonight? I hope not. I hope the word of God don't bore you. You know what? I'll just tell you this. If the word bores you when you're being fed that the word, I'm not talking about being fed some kind of man's uh, temper or something like that, some kind of complex. But when you're being fed the word, if that bores you, that's a you problem. Right? And you need to get it fixed. Are you with me tonight? Because you don't want to end up where that takes you, being bored by the word. <laughs> Your love is lost. <laughs> That's what happened to Jacob. He left Bethel. Oh, I hope you're with me tonight. Joshua, by inspiration, not by just mathematics, but inspired by God, he lauded each one of those patriarchs in their position, just exactly the way their name belongs. Who is our Joshua today? The Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost places into every position in the church the person he wants to be there. Yes. And part of it is that they're able to do it. That is part of it. But not just by mathematics. But it's God that places in the church. There's a place for you. Let's read Romans chapter 12. I want to get into that just a little bit because I, I won't hold you long tonight. Romans chapter 12. So used to my wife having handkerchiefs up here for me and I keep forgetting the ones she gives me, so... Romans chapter 12, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now watch. This is that outside man, right? Your bodies. So it matters what your body does. Right? He said, I beseech you. I'm begging you. 
Present your bodies a living sacrifice, the outward man, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or the least that you should do. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Now, what are you being transformed out of? Out of your natural birth life path. Out of where nature and nurture would naturally take you. Out of where your DNA would naturally take you. But be transformed to something different that you may prove. By what? By your manifestation of your life. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By you being you in the gift of God, under the grace of God, by the transformation of the mind, you can prove what the will of God is. Are you with me now? He said, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, now watch, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Don't get drunk on yourself. God's got a way of bringing you down. God help us. God help us. Uh, no matter who we are, pastor, deacon, trustee, lay member, don't get drunk on your own identity. <laughs> don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Think soberly. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. <laughs> now watch, the measure of faith. So God deals a certain measure of faith to every man, some more, some less. Now that's the truth. You've got the faith you have from God. Now all you need to make it is just the smallest amount, right? Because the, the, the materials that are in the ocean are in a spoonful of it. But God gives to each man a measure of faith. He said, for as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one, one of another. He said, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So it's okay to be different. It's okay that I can't sing as well as these brothers can. Right? Because I have a grace that's been given to me. But now, if I, if I, just by being neglectful of the gift that's in me, and by not stirring it up, if I just refuse to do it, right. I'm going to be in trouble with God. Right. right? But if I have a gift, I can only use what I have. Right? right? And so God gives me a certain gift. And he said, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, what's he saying here? If you've got the ability to prophesy and, and things come to pass that you say, maybe you prophesy once in your life and it comes to pass. Brother Neville did that. He prophesied things and they come to pass. And the people began to come to him and say, Brother Neville, prophesy over us, prophesy over us. And after a while, Brother Branham said it made him wrong. And Brother Branham had to go out and rebuke him publicly. That's pretty hard. But he said that the people were drawing something out of him more than what the gift was. Right? It was okay for him to prophesy. But when the people began to pull more out of it than what was there, he said, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. He said, so don't, don't step outside what you're, what you're called to do. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. And that doesn't... Now listen, it doesn't just mean that you should wait to preach, but that you should wait in the office that you're in and not be, uh, not be looking for another office but that you should wait in the office that you're in and be diligent about that office until the next opportunity comes. Are you with me now? You wait. He that teacheth on teaching. In other words, he don't go beyond what he has the gift to be able to teach. That I'm a teacher. Really what you are is you just can't speak very well. <laughs> Come on, you can laugh. It's all right. I'm closing in just a moment. I'm a teacher. Well, if you're a teacher, people can understand what you're saying, right? You don't go beyond that. Don't go beyond that. You have different gifts. He said, don't try to step beyond your gifts. He said, uh, teacheth on teaching. He that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth. I like this. Let him do it with simplicity. What does that mean? Not expecting anything in return. No prid quo pro, if I said that correctly. Right? Nothing back. Don't be like... The politicians today, I was about to name some names. <laughs> Don't be like the politicians who give with, with, with many purposes. Yeah. Right? But when you give, if God blessed you with money, give with simplicity. Yes. Amen. He that ruleth with diligence. Well, like this, he that ruleth, if you have an office, be diligent about your office. God will require it of you. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. 
Oh, there's a good one. All of us have been called to show mercy. But if we're going to show mercy, let's not give it begrudgingly. Let's give it cheerfully. Not because I have to, but I forgive because that's who I am. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They didn't come because, it was, well, Jesus said, well, now I have to do it. Here I go. No, it wasn't begrudgingly. It was the cry of his heart. Yes. Amen. He wanted to do it. Listen, Brother Brandon said, God reveals this word in the season and to whom he chooses to reveal it to. God chooses who he reveals it to. He chose that before the foundation of the world. All of his doings were foreknown by him, hidden from man. He just reveals them as he will. It's his chosen season, his chosen person. Can I say it this way? You are in his chosen season. You are his chosen person. And he never did choose a party or a sect. It's a chosen person. That's how he does it. Who is it that will dare to correct him and say, Now, Lord, you made a mistake by putting this man in the ministry. This man doesn't believe like we believe. Oh, we've got to be careful, church. Who's going to tell God he's wrong in it? It would take somebody that's a little more of a delinquent than I am to tell him that. He knows what he's doing. He knows who to choose and who not to choose, what to do and when to do it. He said no matter how much we think that a certain person is qualified to do a certain job, God knows who is qualified for the time and the season, the time and the right time to do it. God knows. And many times we make mistakes, but things still have to be set in order. But God will turn it around. God honors order, but he wants the right person in the right job. Does that make sense? He does honor order because in the upper room, they chose the wrong man, Brother Brandon said, when they chose Matthias. But until they chose him, there couldn't be an upper room experience. There needed to be 12 disciples. Think about that. God honored it, even though it was the wrong man. But Paul was God's man. Right. Now, he said the real true Christian, the real true believer, waits upon the Lord for these things. Wait on your ministry. If you feel a call, be sure that it's God. Be sure that it's right. Again, I'm not directing that to these ministers here tonight or to those that might be watching, but I'm directing it just in general. This is how we break these cycles. Right? Because someone else failed doesn't mean we have to. Be patient. Wait. Wait in the gift in the office that you're in. And I thank God for the ministers that we have that have never pushed me to preach. None of them have ever pushed me to preach. And that's rare. That's a rare thing. And it's made me want to give them more opportunities. Maybe more than, than even sometimes what they want. But it's because they don't push for it. And, and you, that's a rare thing. You don't find that very often. But he said, don't go beyond your office. Wait on your ministry. If you feel a call, be sure that it's God. Be sure that it's right. Be sure it's timely what you're saying. Right? Pray and make sure you get the mind of God so you can preach to the people something that will help them. I was happy to see that Sunday night we had a brand new preacher in. But yet he preached something along the lines that would help people that were there. And I'm always looking for that in the ministry. I want to see somebody preach to the people that are there and try to help them. Not preach to some situation somewhere else in some other place, but preach to the people in front of you. Right? And so now... He's, the Bible said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Don't you want your strength renewed tonight? Wait on God. They shall mount up with the wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. If they walk, they'll not faint. Amen. Can I have a few more minutes tonight? Let's just take a few more minutes. I said I wouldn't be long. I've got to go to that thing tomorrow. I just might as well preach myself out before I do. Think about that, Lord. I gotta get up early in the morning, gotta drive all that way, and gotta do something I don't want to do, and I don't remember much about it. God, but God's got a reason for everything that we do. And that when you begin to look past the, the obstacle in front of you and begin to look to see how God's gonna manifest the for glory in your life, right? Because you're the elect of God. You're not just any person working in the grocery store, you're the elect of God working in the grocery store. You're not just any person at the factory, you're the elect of God at the factory. At the funeral home or wherever that, that you work on the road. You're the elect of God. Yeah. So you look to see how it how it'll work in your favor. So here he says, uh, he, he says, if they walk, they'll not faint. Now I want you to look, because we saw that birth path of Benjamin, and, and we'll we'll go away from that for a moment, and we saw how it affected his life. But in First Chronicles chapter 4 and verse 9, there was another man. And I think I've preached about him to you before, but I just had to drop him in here because it fits so well. In 1 Chronicles 4, it, it just gives us a sea of names, just name after name after name after name. And finally, it gives us this name. It says, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. 
And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. Now watch, Benjamin, son of my sorrow, Benoni, son of my sorrow. And here is Jabez, born with a name, son of my pain. That's what that means in the original, son of my pain. He was born under difficult circumstances, painful circumstances. Perhaps the death of his mother. It, that I bear him in pain is a word play on the Hebrew word. His name is a word play on the Hebrew word. at sab, meaning pain. You named your child pain, a child would have a mark on its life. Pain. I, I've, seen, I've seen a woman one time named Jezebel, and I wondered if her mother knew, her father, whoever named her that, what kind of a mark that would put on her life. Brother Branham said those things mattered. This man's name was Pain. Pain. Just like Benoni and Jacob had in a sense to change it, try to get him away from that. But now look, I, I like what C.S. Lewis said about that. Pain is for a purpose. He says, pain insists upon being attended to. Sister Mary could say amen to that if she's watching tonight or she hears this. Pain insists on being attended to. Right? That's why if you get in bad enough pain, you end up in the emergency room. Pain insists on being attended to. And he said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. <laughs> that really spoke to me because I could, I've had painful moments in my life, but I'm not defined by that. But it's God shouting, trying to get your attention. Are you with me now? Maybe he just wants to tell you he loves you. Yeah. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. And sometimes the only way, because you're so caught up in your everyday life and the things that are going on every day, and you're so caught up with being, doing, and everything that you do, being a dad and a grandpa and a grandma or a mother or a father, you're so caught up in everyday life that God can't speak to you. So he shouts. Yeah. Very good. He says, hey, Brother David, I want, I want you to know I love you. Let you experience a little pain. Are you with me now? Jabez was meant for something in his life. He had a purpose in life. But he was born under pain. It may be that his was an illegitimate or an unexpected birth. We don't know. It's interesting that it doesn't give his father's name or any of his family. It just says Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. The context seems to say that he was rejected by his brethren. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. I love this. When you're in pain, that's the time to call on God. Are you with me now? When you're in pain, when you're born under painful circumstances, when your birth path isn't what it should be, when you've been through some things, it makes you call on God. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, Oh, and that, that is, a, if you go back in the original, that's a heart cry. It's not just a, a statement, it's a heart cry. Oh, it's the cry of his heart. It's a fervent expression of desire, a groan from the heart. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. In other words, that I may be blessed richly, abundantly, and enlarge my coast. So in other words, and, and what he's saying, because you know there was a certain limit that was given to each one, but he tells them in the Old Testament, Moses told them, he said, when your borders are enlarged, what that meant was there was some of the land that wouldn't be taken. But yet later on they would have opportunities to take that land like David did when he went up and took Jerusalem. So they would have opportunities to do that. So he's not saying he wanted more than God had for him or to step out of his position. But Lord, I want to walk on every border that you've given me. I want to be diligent about finding out what the boundaries of my gift is and walking on every line. Are you hearing me tonight? Walking on every line. This may be the boundaries of my gift right here. You group of people, that's fine. But I want to make sure that I walk on every line of it. That I don't let the devil, if the boundaries of my gift is to be a, a, a pastor of a small local church, then let that boundary stay there and let me, let me go all the way to the line. Are you with me now? I don't want to give God less than that. If that's my ceiling. But maybe it's not. I'll never discover where the line is until, until I start clearing the brush. Are you with me? Have you gone deep enough in the metaphor now? 
Are you with me? Once you, once you get out there in the land and you begin clearing the brush, you begin to look. Maybe I'm not just a piano player. Maybe I'm not just a, a grandmother or grandfather. Maybe I'm not just a singer. Maybe I'm not just a preacher. I want to make sure that I go to the line. And sometimes it takes somebody pushing you to do it. But what pushed Jabez was his pain. I'll be honest with you. There's been no greater gift that God's given me than the pain in my life. I talk about it, and I know you think, well, you were raised in a message home, but you don't understand. <laughs> I don't say that to be rude. You just don't understand. <laughs> but I've watched God you, take men who experienced great pain in their lives and make them great warriors of the faith. And I say, God, if I could only be a tenth of that, a hundredth of that. But it's been my pain that drove me. It's been my pain that made me preach on weekends and work all week and come back and do the things that I've done. It's been the pain that made me do that. I'm not looking to my point to myself as an example because that would be a bad example. But listen, sometimes it's the pain in your life, the things that you've been through. And when in Laodicea, we want to be free from all of that. But that's not where God wants us to be. You know what I found? People who, you say, well, when I made it financially, I'll be free from pain. What I found out is people that don't suffer financially suffer in other ways. And I don't mean that if, if you get rich or doubt, you're going to get sick. But it's usually true that there's one knock that the devil's got coming at you. Right. And it may, be, it may be finances, but it may be something else. Huh. Are you with me now? You're never going to be free from pain. Don't let the pain define you. But be like Jabez and say, oh, Lord, let me find my boundaries. Enlarge my coast. Let me drive every Philistine off every inch of Jabez's land. He said, but Brother Ben, I'm old. It doesn't matter if you're old. Maybe there's just one little bit left to take. Take that bit. <laughs> Maybe there's, Brother JT, there's just one little thing. Brother JT's just about made it. He's been in the message a long time, but you've got one little thing left, one little sapling on one corner that hasn't been cleared. Clear it off. Press to be in the house of God so you can clear that off. Why? You can say, Lord, you've enlarged my territories. Enlarge my coast. And then he also prays, he said, that thine hand might be with me. That hand is power. I need your power, Lord. How many can say amen to that tonight? Let me take all of my inheritance. Let me maximize my gifts. But how do we do that? We do that by staying with the word. But the Branham said this about preachers. He said, I got better hopes of you, brethren, here this morning, that you'll be men of God who stay with the word of God. Let everything else fall right to left, but stay right with that word. Don't move. No matter if you're a doormat out there, be a good doormat. And he takes that in one place and said, Jesus became a doormat. Let the disciples wipe their feet. Are you with me? He became a doormat. Wash the disciples' feet. He said, don't try to compete with someone else or do this. Just get right in the word and stay right there. God, I want everything you've given to me. Nobody else's land. I want mine, Lord. I want everything. I want to maximize everything you've given me to do. He said, just get right in the word and stay right there. And God will positionally place you in his kingdom where you can be the best. Yeah. Yes, it might be okay to go here or go here. Some people are flighty. They constantly have new ideas and new things, and they want to go here or go here or go there. But God wants to place you where you'll be the best. And some of you that have been around a long time, you can say amen to that. It may not have seemed like Hardy, Arkansas was the best, but God placed you where you could be the best. I want your power to manifest in my life. And finally he says, keep me from evil. That, that evil is a, is a word play on pain. Keep me from pain. You know what he's saying? Keep me from Jabez. Oh God. Keep me from Benjamin. Are you with me? Keep me from Benoni. Are you with me now? Keep me from stunning my sorrow. Keep me from my birth path. Keep me from becoming me. Are you with me now? Keep me from becoming, oh, I want to express myself, and the world's about that today. But Jabez prayed, Lord, keep me from being me. Keep me from pain. Keep me from Jabez. I don't want to react that way, Lord. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to repeat those mistakes. Keep me from Jabez. Keep me from pain. 
Let me be what you intended me to be. And he cries out and he uses not the usual name during this time for God. He doesn't use Jehovah, Lord God, but he says, oh, Elohim. Oh, maybe we could cry that tonight. Oh, oh, Elohim, who made all things, who knows all things. Oh, Elohim, as the musicians come. You know the pain I was born under. You know the circumstances of my childhood and my life. Don't let that distract me from becoming all that you intended me to be. Don't let me stop for a minute in becoming everything that you want me to be. Help me to use the pain as a furtherance of my desire to enlarge my coast. He said, but Brother Ben, you don't realize how dark things are. I know it's a dark time. I know it's hard. I know the world is difficult right now. I know people get sick. I know that gas prices are up and grocery prices are up. It makes you unsettled. I know that things happen in church and things happen in life and things happen with the preacher and I don't always do everything that I should. Sometimes maybe the preacher don't speak to you like you think that he should and you get upset. Maybe I forget something or say something wrong. Maybe it's dark where you live. Maybe it's dark in your family, in your home. But I think of this. There was a story during the Battle of Britain. Someone said to a man on the street in London, he said, things look pretty dark, don't they? And the man replied, but the king says there's hope. <laughs> I don't care how dark it looks. The king says, Jabez, you can be more than pain. Benjamin, you can be more than a ravening wolf. Uh, Pruitts, you can be more than just what your family has been. Are you with me now? Whatever your last name is, whatever your first name is, you can be more than that. You can be a child of God. You can be a son of God who can walk on every line. Maybe God only gave you a small patch, but you can keep it clear of the briars. You can keep everything off of it. And you can just be exactly what God wanted you to be. Isn't that what you want to be tonight? Isn't that your desire? Would you bow your heads with me? God wants to place you in his kingdom where he can be the best. Where you, he can be the best in you, I should say. And you can be the best. Don't, don't look like it's hopeless. Don't look at the darkness. The king says that there's hope. The king says that there's light. I don't care what your family history has been. God can change that around. And again, I'm not preaching at any particular family because if I was, I'd be preaching at my own. Because nobody's had more darkness than my, the past of my family and my history. But I don't have to be my great-grandfather who murdered a man. I don't have to be my grandfather whose kids wouldn't speak to him. I don't have to be my father. I can be what God wanted me to be. I don't have to be my family. That's just the way they are. I don't have to be that. God can break those cycles in my life. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we want that gift to be enlarged in our life, Lord. Oh, God, I, I don't know why. I get frustrated sometimes because we have to do certain things. It just seems like inconveniences, hindrances in life. But maybe you were behind the inconvenience. Maybe you allowed the, the circumstance so that we could become everything that we were supposed to be. You didn't want us to leave that lot uncleared. You didn't want us to leave those boundaries undefined. You wanted us to be everything that we could be, to strive, and so we were born in pain so that we could come into the house of God as overcomers. As victors, Lord, like the man who stood by the road when Caesar went by. And he said, who do I want in my chariot? Who will ride with me as a victor, as an overcomer? And he went past all the shiny shields and, and the brass and all the, all, the, all the handsome men. And he found a little man who was battle-scarred, dirty. But he'd been in every war and he'd fought on every continent. Everywhere they put him, he fought. Oh, Lord, may I be like that man tonight. Everywhere you put me, Lord, let me fight. Let me fight with every inch of my life. Let me fight on Wednesday night. If, if there's just a few people, let the fight not be, but may it be even more so, Lord. 
man may not diminish because of the circumstances, but Lord, help me fight with everything that's in me because I know that's the only way I'm going to overcome. Help me fight, Lord. I don't want to be what I've been. I don't want to be what my family's been. I don't want to be what, what, the, what even my natural talents would, would hold me to be. But my desire is to be a full son of God. I want to stand in my place as the bride of Jesus Christ in the last day. Lord, to be more than what I could be, to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. I pray you grant it, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we feel your spirit here tonight, may you reach out to each and every one, each one that's watching, each one that's listening. Oh, God, may you, may you just bring it home to them tonight. May they recognize you, Lord, working in the details of their life. Lord, working through the word, working through the pain, working in every way so that you could be all in all to them and they could be the best in their place. I pray you grant it now. We thank you for this church, Lord. Lord, for them listening. I pray that you give them a special blessing tonight. Lord, speak again through your word. Lord, every time we meet together until one day you call us home where we can finally be that perfect realization of the sons and daughters of God. I pray you grant it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't you just worship him a minute? I want what you want for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just worship him now. I want what you stand and worship him just before we go just for a moment
appreciated our brother just coming and bringing the word and just pouring out his heart and just appreciate our pastor. Amen. Just be praying for him and the services coming up this weekend. Those that aren't here, those that are out and traveling, just be remembering them as well. Let's sing that song if we could. We'll sing it one time through more of you. Amen. Then you're free to go in the name of the Lord. So we just sing this one, one time through here. More of you. Oh 